Hi, everyone. This is Drs. David Kimball and Alexis Kimball, and we're here in our podcast called Vagina Talk, which we're actually now expanding out a little bit beyond that of the vagina. But we always want to include topics that have a little bit of taboo or misunderstood or, you know, people just need more information about it. So today we have the privilege of talking with Dr. Um, Evan Goldstein from both New York and L.A. We're in L.A. ourselves. He is known as the ass doctor. He is gay himself and he has a practice that's geared towards anal sex and, and keeping the anus very healthy, beautiful, functional, um, not just for the gay community, but for anybody who engages in anal intercourse. So we really find it privileged today to be able to speak with Dr. Evan Goldstein. So join us and have fun. And learn all about your ass. Hey, Dr. Goldstein, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Just to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and maybe some of your personal experiences that transformed you into the practice that you have now? Sure. Yeah, I'm Dr. Evan Goldstein. I started a company uh, called Bespoke Surgical about 12 years ago, Um, and it all stemmed from actually more of my personal experiences. Uh, I was a trained general surgeon, actually headed to cardiac surgery um, and hated it. Uh, I came out late in my life. I met my current partner um, and I finally was happy with who I was, where I started to kind of explore, well, what's out there for the gay community in terms of access to not only medical care, but surgical care, and who, who really is taking care of the community, making sure that people are living the lives that they want. And when I started to dabble into it, I realized that nobody was to the degree that I really felt as if on the sexual side, um, that it was necessary. So that really spawned uh, Bespoke Surgical. And, and it was funny because my partner I remember walking down Central Park and Andy telling me, I don't really think people care. They just want to go to whoever's the best. I said, yeah, but that person is still yet to be defined because there's no training. There's no body that's providing that service. So um, about 12 years ago in New York, we started. I then opened up in L.A. as well at that time um, and really spawned a new field, a new thought process of thinking. Um, you know, the goal for me was destigmatize sex, uh, really, you know, get rid of the taboos associated with talking about sex and think of, okay, these are the things that I as a patient or a client want to do sexually. Um, and how do I as a surgeon provide that so that they're able to really reach the sexual desires that they truly need. And I'll explain. People say, well, what does that mean? Well, it's pretty straightforward. Let's say the ass isn't working, uh, meaning I'm bleeding with sex, sex is painful, or everything was great until I wound up, it was too big, it was too girthy, it was too length. There was, there's so many things that happen anally where now all of a sudden it sets the stage for people having the disparity of, hey, I do want to engage but I'm having issues. And now we have a place where people can go to really solve all of that and allow people to really kind of mix the mental and physical components of what they want. Interesting. What was it like when you first kind of introduced this concept, like to the general public? I mean, how did you go about that? Colleagues included. Yeah. What was the sort of like, what was the feedback you got? Was it like, (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it always makes for interesting dinner conversations. Sure. That's for sure. Yeah, still, still, <laughs> still to this day, still to this day. Um, but you know, it was interesting. You know, you guys both know that uh, our practices are a referral based practice, and one of the things that I decided to do first off was to define are people actually talking about sex? So about 12 years ago, I did a study looking at physicians. Do even gay physicians feel comfortable talking about gay sex? And actually 92% don't. Um, and so, so the referral pattern for me was always like, well, if people aren't talking about sex, shit, how am I going to get patients and clients and people to come through the office? So about eight years ago, um, after I kind of really perfected, how does it heal? How do I do treatments? How do we look aesthetically and functionally? I kind of bridge the plastic side and the proctological side of saying, okay, I'm going to make strategic incisions here. Let's make sure that they heal a certain way. And anally, depending upon the location of where you make incisions, it heals in different capacities. So once I kind of knew, all right, this is how it heals, now I really just needed to go direct. And so I hired MML, which is my PR team. I hired Greg, who's in charge of all of my brand. And what we wind up doing, we said, all right, let's start writing about things. Let's start blogging. Let's start really doing a lot as it relates to just talking about the issues at hand and then from that, all of a sudden now, you know, people are going to Google or going to Instagram and be like, I broke my ass. And then all of a sudden we show up and like, well, here we are, or I don't like how it looks or it's not functioning the right way. And the reality is that people still feel shy about the subject, even physicians do. So how do we just now provide the, not only the care, but the educational piece to really start really diving deep, literally, into the topics of, of anything sexual, you know, anal sex specific. But again, there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah, absolutely. In many ways, that's similar to what we do on the vaginal side of things. But um, do you, is this specific to just the gay community or is this open to like the community at large? I know you're really involved in like the LGBTQ community. Yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah. Maybe you could tell us a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so I see all asses, that's for sure. Um, we usually say I see all assholes. But, uh, you know, um, with that said, you know, you learn a lot from the gay community, simply because it seems if you're looking at just the heteronormative world of sex, plus the gay world, you start to see certain patterns that happen, right? And gay men are having a lot more sex in, in shorter periods of times anally, that you're able to really see trauma, isolated issues, how do you get those all to heal? But no, I, I, it's, it's really anyone that, that in, engages in anal sex, vaginal sex, a lot of people don't engage anally, but post-pregnancy develop hemorrhoids, skin tags, fissures that don't allow them just even vaginal sex, whether it's painful sex in that capacity or aesthetically. You know, I see a lot of people that, you know, whether it's a second marriage, uh, whether they're just trying to get their sexy back in terms of fixing everything, face, you know, post-pregnancy belly, 
you know, vaginal and anal, I see a lot of that where even if they're not engaging anally, they just don't feel sexy or, you know, they're irritated. It's a lot of wiping or they're on Peloton or doing exercises and it feels irritated. Um, so it's not just an anal sex thing. And no, it's not just a gay component, but I think that it started from there because it allowed me to really focus on the foundation of how do I make sure things heal the right way. And then it really started to branch into all things anal. And it's interesting. I mean, you probably see it too, where, you know, female skin and even in trans from male to female, when they're doing hormones, I see very thin skin in the area. There's a lot of different techniques that we need to use to make sure that it heals in the right capacity, especially with that larger hormone load that's there. Um, and so again, I think it's the stepping stones of what my practice was that then allowed me to now really start to uh, think differently in all different communities. Yeah, and there's a huge movement in our country towards, you know, transgender and different gender identities. So I think, you know, you've kind of paved the pathway, been somewhat of a pioneer in this. It's kind of like urogynecology back in the early 90s or late 80s, right? It wasn't yeah. even a recognized subspecialty. Right. No one knew anything about it. Right. Urodynamics but, was, you know, just very simplified. And now it's become a real huge field. Right, right. Totally, totally. You know, I think that uh, we do, you know, Obviously, when someone comes to the office, we're doing the, the routine history and physical um, and the physical that I'm doing allows me to really see what's going on both inside and outside. Some people think that, oh, it's, it's just a small little thing on the outside. But the reality is that's usually the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you, you both know that most of it goes in. It causes issues. And if you don't treat it in the right way, and I see a lot of people coming to me for second, third opinions where someone just lops off the skin tag, but it was actually connected to a fissure that they wound up getting during pregnancy. And now it comes back and it comes back even worse with a vengeance. Um, I do a lot of Botox work. I don't know if you guys use a lot of that at all from a muscle perspective. You know, anally, the second you get cut, it's so tight. Um, and then what winds up happening is that it, it augments healing. Um, and so by using Botox, both in the skin and in the internal sphincters, we're really able to get things to open in a way that allows for the healing capacity and then allows people to start engaging anally in terms of whether or not that's, that's their end point or not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Evan, one of the um, most common questions we get from our patients is, does anal intercourse increase your risk of fecal incontinence in the future? That's a very yes. common question. That's been debated highly in our field. Yeah. So what's totally. your take on it? Yeah. Uh, run of the mill anal sex does not Yeah. So, you know, obviously there's, there's a full range of what anal sex encompasses, right? So from a straightforward penetration to large toys, to fists, to many other things. And I think that again, you know, run of the mill anal sex is just, you know, the usual, whether it's vaginal sex or anal sex, the same exact capacity. There is a lot of muscle in the ass. You know, if you think of like, I give a hundred units in a muscle of Botox, that's a lot of Botox to get, to get that muscle to actually relax. And I, I would even be able to do more if need be, because the muscle in there is quite thick and able to 
fully get to where we need to. Um, just so people know, there's three sets of muscles. Two of them are basically, if you contract your ass, like now, if you squeeze, you're squeezing two out of the three. And the third one is the one that you and I mostly don't have control. That's the internal sphincter. With that said, from anal sex, if you're doing things correctly, meaning dilating before sex, using toys to prepare for sex. And we'll talk further about a lot of people just going and thinking they can go from nothing to something big right away. And that's where you start to see a lot of trauma where you can cut the muscle. Uh, some of the muscle starts to stretch beyond capacity. But if you're doing the right thing by four to six weeks of dilating, using toys like a anal training kit, lots of lube to learn your pelvic floor, learn how to relax those muscles, leading into the right ways of proper positioning, proper lubrication, et cetera. And then living life, meaning continuing to do your body and uh, pelvic floor exercises with squats and good Kegels and pulling things in. No, I don't see at all that. I see incontinence and issues related to that in people that are going beyond the muscle's capacity. I see a lot of young kids that are very into fisting right now, and they're coming to the offices in their 20s and 30s with prolapse because, because they just don't understand the dynamics of how do you open to the capacity that we want, and then the rest of the time stay closed in a way that you don't have issues associated with it. So I think the key for people to understand is that no, the reality is, is that if you want to engage annually, you think it's, uh, you know, um, really going to benefit your world in terms of feeling really good about it and sexy and want to engage, that should not be an issue in terms of you thinking and saying, no, I'm not going to engage in that capacity. I think it's knowing the right way to do it, how to prepare, how to engage correctly, and then the aftercare so that you're in a good space. And we do a lot of very similar urodynamic stuff. We do manometry to delineate the muscles right from the beginning. So when someone comes to see me, we define, well, where are we in terms of a muscle capacity? From that, I can actually walk people through the stages of really getting themselves into a good space and not having any of those long-term outcomes. And that's years and years and years and years of anal, but also going beyond capacity. So I wouldn't think anything of it. If you want it in your butt, you should have it in your butt. Make it happen. Right, huh? right. <laughs> well said. Right, whether well you're said. gay, you're heterosexual, it really, no, Bisexual, it crosses all barriers. Right. That's right, yeah. that's right. Now, um, we also, there's a misconception too that anal sex can cause things to stretch and alter the appearance of it over time. Do you find that there's any truth to that? I think it just depends on what the baseline and starting points are. So again, you know, when someone comes, we define where they are. Many people just from living life, post-pregnancy or whatnot, have skin tags or hemorrhoids present before they actually engage. And then, yes, there may be people that it's worse from engaging, whether it's not enough lubrication, whether the muscles are too tight. You know, when people come to me and they have hemorrhoids or skin tags, Yes, I need to approach getting rid of them if they meet surgical criteria, but you have to take a step back and you have to say, well, why did they develop them? Are the muscles just too tight from the beginning? Um, and a lot of times I see surgeons just 
quickly treat the hemorrhoids, but yet they're not really taking a step back and figuring out, well, wait a second, one, why did they develop and how do we make sure that they don't develop again? And then two is, well, do you engage anally or do you want to engage anally? And then my surgical techniques change to make sure that people are going to be able to get to where they were or where they want to be sexually. And with that being said, look, anything, whether you're doing anal sex, vaginal sex, there's always elements of risk. And the risks are that you can tear, you can cause you know, significant lacerations, irritations, hemorrhoid development, fissures. There's all of that. It can happen from shitting and it can happen from sex. Um, and I think the key is to just make sure people are defining where they want to go and setting the stage for success by understanding the anatomy, having the education to support that, and really leading into a, a really good positive practice. And I talk to people all the time, you know, everybody's so focused on their facial aesthetics and they do masks and they do all of these beautiful things, etc. It's the same thing. And people need to think about it on a sexual wellness perspective, whether it's vaginal sex or anal sex, you have to start thinking of how do I take care of that in a way that allows the longevity of my sexual life and just regular life in general, and to not have that judgment be from yourself and or society. Sure. Exactly. And what do you, um, what's your advice on taking care and having a nice, good looking anus? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that again, it's actually defined by the client because there are people that come to me with the biggest skin tags I've ever seen in my life. And they're like, Oh, my wife loves them. Don't touch them. I like them. They're there. You know, it's totally fine. So I always kind of say, you know, and there are people that come to me Giselle. where I don't, yeah. And I don't see anything. And they're like, no, 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 that you need to remove that. I'm like, it's the smallest thing possible. <laughs> and they're like, and they're like, no. And then I, obviously I do what, what they want. Um, I think that I started a company called future method and future method is a products company. That's all about education and products to support the community. And I break sex down into three components. How do you prepare for sex? How do you actually engage sexually? And then what's the aftercare? And the preparation is the key. Many people don't pre-dilate or use toys in a way either before sex or during sex to pre-lubricate, pre-dilate, really understand your anatomy to really make sure that all of those three muscles are relaxing and the skin is also relaxing. We talk a lot about using toys about six weeks before you even think about having sex anally, or let's say you're only having anal sex periodically, you really need to use these toys every once or twice a week, just easy, just like going to the gym, just because the skin needs to toughen, especially in the female's skin, it's very thin. And the key is just you want to just create a very, very little bit of a callus there where the skin now has the capacity to open, but is strong so that you don't tear. And the same thing with the underlying muscle. So we talk about using toys two to three times a week, small, medium and large, a lot of lube and really starting to learn the full pelvic floor to really, truly relax. We then talk about great practices with douching and cleaning out. Many people want to clean out, 
but they're overdoing it. They're using a lot of water, which is not the best solution at all. Uh, people think water is cheap and clear, so it must be right. But we all know that it's hypotonic, it's hypoosmolar. So what it does is it irritates the lining. And specifically in the gay community, we see a huge incidence of STDs and HIV, more from not the sex act, but douching and cleaning out and not pre-lubricating and pre-dilating. So, you know, it's breaking those three into really the understanding and the education for people to understand the right way to start engaging and then continuing. We came out with our first solution was an anal douche solution that is isoosmolar that is not toxic to the insides. Our bulbs are much smaller because we want people to douche less and understand their anatomy by using fiber. And we have a pre and probiotic that replaces the specific anal microbiome that is washed away with anal sex from either douching or water and silicone-based lubricants. So again, all of these things start to really break down the barriers and now put products that support communities and allow people to get to where they want in their sexual desires. Yeah, Dr. Goldstein, sadly, I think we're kind of coming to the conclusion of the time for the podcast, but it's been a true delight to have you on this podcast. You are a pioneer. We love you. We love the work that you're doing for the community in general, and we applaud you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, use me anytime you have questions. We'd love to keep going further. There's so many things. And again, specifically, if you, your patients have questions of the dilating protocols and how do you lead up to and what are the things to look out for? A lot of that's on our website. You could DM us also on Instagram. I'm at Bespoke Surgical or Dr. Dr. Evan Goldstein. Uh, they can also check out futuremethod.com. Um, a lot of this stuff is the educational piece that I think most of us have never gotten. And how does it lead into just positive sex practices? That's Absolutely. great. We love it. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening to Vagina Talk Podcast. If you want to learn more, you can find us on our web, www.kimballcenterforpelvicwellness.com. See you next time. Bye.